Let's open up the word to Galatians chapter 4 as we continue where we left off last week. This week we're going to be in verses 21 through 31. And um, it's a really interesting passage. Uh, it's interesting in a variety of ways. I am fascinated by this. And so uh, I'm going to do my best to help us to mine the deep reservoirs of Jesus in this passage. I know that we're not even going to get close to plucking out every nugget of truth here, but we're going to do our best. Oh, and I wanted to mention something before we actually read this. Don't go anywhere yet, Michael. I'm excited about having Roman here, by the way. Yes. Let's praise God. You get, I know we, we're probably all aware of this, but Roman had craniosurgery, and he is... You know, he, it, he's recovering really well. Look how happy this little kid is. So, and it was only Tuesday that he had his surgery. So, praise the Lord. Let's just give the Lord a hand for his goodness. And, um, man, I just want to say, on behalf of the church, we love you guys. And um, I'm so excited about what God is doing. So, it's really great. Okay, you can go now. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't want to forget that. Um, so, now let's read the scripture together, uh, starting in... Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount, uh, Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children, but, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than, than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as, uh, just as at that time, he who was according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is the word of the Lord. Can we praise him for it? Let's just give God a hand. Let's praise him for his word. Mm. Father, we, we, we prayed together just a few moments ago asking that you would be present with us. Um, Lord, I just, I know, I'm always aware every time we engage with the scriptures together that there is absolutely no way that we are going to get what it is that you want to speak to us unless you, unless you speak it into our hearts. We, we need you, Holy Spirit. You are the one who interprets the scriptures to our hearts. You're the one who makes them come alive to us. I know that it's possible if two different people can read the exact same text and one can get nothing from it and the other can be completely transformed by it and the only difference is the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would open our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would use um, the words that I'm going to speak, Father. I, I'm just uh, a vessel. God, you're the one who is, you're, you're the true power that makes any of this even matter. So we ask that you would do what only you can do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to, uh, I want to, to, to remind us of what God is calling us to here. Right? You've probably heard it, and it's kind of big. Okay, It's kind of a big deal. God is calling us to live unnatural lives, miracle or miraculous lives. He's calling us to live supernaturally. And the sort of life that he's been calling us to live in this passage, and, and particularly right here where we're reading today, I mean, declaring that we are, we are children of the free woman, he's declaring that we are free. And so he is calling us to live the sort of life in which we are able to live as free children. In other words, we're to live, we are called to live righteously. The Lord calls his people to live in such a way that we are like our Father in heaven. Now that's, that, that's a big concept to wrap our minds around. Because let's, let's think about it for a minute. How great is God? How good is God? How perfectly in sync with righteousness and truth is God? And yet, the Lord is the same one who looks upon his people and he says, you are to be holy because I'm holy. And the Apostle Paul is calling us into that life. A life of, the, of a child of the kingdom of God. He's calling us to live our lives as if the gospel is actually true. And as if the transformative power of God is actually in us, shaping and molding us. He's asking you and me to live naturally supernatural lives. Now, when I think about this and trying to actually accomplish this, it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, I cannot count, can I, I'm just going to be a, an, an honest pastor this morning. Is that fine? I mean, you guys are cool with that, right? Because by now you ought to know I'm, I'm okay with sharing that I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to hide anything. Um, I, there's no way I could count on both hands and even with my toes the amount of times I sinned last week. Right? I, I, I know it. And, and I, you know, the reality is I'm not even aware of how much I sinned last week. But I know that if the Spirit revealed it to me, it would crush me. So you may be kind of, I mean, like, like me, when I hear these kinds of things, when I hear this calling to be this great person in Christ, and, and, and like many others, we, we hear this, and maybe you're thinking, it's not possible. I mean, is it really possible? You know, I mean, how many, how many times have, have you heard, you know, somebody 
talking about how God has called us to live or even reading the scriptures and, and God says that we're to be holy and then they say, well, but we can't really do that, you know, really can't, not on, at least not on this side of heaven. I, I've heard people say that before. You can't really live a holy life, but you know, I mean, we, we need to try or, you know, but, but you can't really do it. I've, I've heard that. Well, in, in a sense, they're right. No one can really live a life like Jesus lived. At least not in our own strength. And maybe we look at this world and we, and we think, well, well, we're more distracted than we've ever been. I mean, good gravy. They didn't have Facebook back in Jesus' day, you know? They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have... Uh, uh, a tweeting president to talk about. They, they, they had none of those things that we have today that oftentimes become distractions for us. They didn't have a, a 24-7 never-ending news cycle. Um, they didn't have the weird questions about human sexuality and how we're to define ourselves. They, they didn't have a lot of these things. The world was just a simpler place back then. You know, so Jesus was calling them to, to live a certain kind of life, and, and, uh, and, and, and you know, it was just, it was a simpler, it was simpler times. They didn't have all the crazy ideologies floating around everywhere. Well, again, like I said, in, 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 a, in a sense, uh, I think people are right in saying it is impossible to live a godly life in Christ. But again, I want to I want to I want to put a nice little caveat on that on that statement because it's impossible in our own strength. In our own power striving with only the tools that we have on hand, you and I have no hope of actually doing what God is calling us to do in this passage. We just we just can't do it. We can't live like the free child if we're still trying to live out of the tools of our former life and slavery to sin. So to understand what God wants to say to us through all this, I think we need to make a few considerations. So let's, let's make those considerations. There's going to be a total of four of them, just in case you were wondering. Four considerations. But uh, the first one is that we must understand what it is that the Galatians were desiring. The first thing, because Paul, Paul really kind of hones in on this, he says uh, in, in verse 21, he says, tell me, you who desired it to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Now understand, Paul's, Paul's not uh, accusing them of having not studied. That's not what he's doing here. He's essentially saying, now I know you guys have read and heard this, but did you really listen you really pay attention? Because he goes on to give them the example of Abraham, and there's an important thing with that there. But first, we got to understand that the Galatians were desiring something that Paul looked at them and thought, this is completely crazy, considering what you have been given in Christ. Paul assumes, again, that they had indeed heard, but that they were not considering everything that it meant for them to go back to following the law for their righteousness. So in other words, if they would consider the full weight of, the, of, of, of what the law required, uh, they, 
they would have seen how truly impossible it is for them to obey it to the to the fullest. And honestly, uh, we've already gone into the, to the fact that the scriptures tell us essentially that if you break the law at any point, you've broken the whole thing, right? And once it's broken, no amount of duct tape and bail and wire can put that thing back together. I don't care how much of an Oklahoma redneck you are. And let me tell you, we Okies can rebuild almost anything with duct tape, okay? But, but not our righteousness. We can't rebuild our righteousness, not even with super glue, okay? I'm, I'm just like, not even JB Weld, y'all. Okay, nothing, nothing. We can't rebuild it with our redneck tools. And that's what Paul's getting to. He's like, guys, it's, you've already broken it. It's busted. So you could go and strive at it, but you're never going to balance the scales. It just isn't going to happen. Even if you're really, really good at it, you're still not good enough stings doesn't it i mean like what and there's some part of our pride that this really really punches at because i think deep down inside of uh, most of us think well there's some good in there somewhere right like 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 there's something good in here and if you have the holy spirit the answer is yes but it's not you we are apart from christ the bible says we're wicked we're hopeless scripture says we are we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And dead things are dead, and they do not come back except for by a miraculous touch of God. Jesus is the only one in history who ever had the power to walk up out of the grave in his own strength. And even he was resurrected by the Spirit as the Father declared it. He was submitted to the Father. That's going to be important for us here in a minute. But, um, but anyway, these, these guys were clamoring for a system which I think we like the law. I think humans kind of go back to law because we like having control over something. We like, you know, we really have this thing for being able to, you know, kind of like, like, almost like a growth, a spiritual growth chart. We want to mark it off, you know, and be like, wow, look what I accomplished. And uh, we really like that. We like having that sense of, I can do this. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps and do something. So we're drawn into that. Okay, this doesn't work, but hey, it's okay. Um, we're drawn into that sort of a thing. <laughs> and, and we can never be delivered by it. And honestly, and again, this is what Paul's calling attention to, it just doesn't it seem silly to want to go back to a system that can never deliver us when we have everything we could ever want in Christ? And that's exactly what Paul's been saying. He's essentially saying, guys, you've, you've begun by the Spirit. You can't finish by the flesh. All of this is dependent upon our position, our relationship with Christ. Whether or not I'm in Him. That's why we as a church say that it's our mission to help everyone, to equip everyone to be in Jesus. Because you can't even begin to grow spiritually unless you're in Christ first. You have to have repented and believed the gospel. You have to be in the family. And then you have the Holy Spirit, and then you can begin the process of becoming like Christ. Because we can, we can, we can work on sanctification once we're in Jesus. 
So the, the, the last thing I want to mention on this, and this is a really important thing. By relying on the law, they were essentially rejecting Christ. Okay, understand that what, they, what, what this would have done for them is they would have essentially been saying, well, um, you know, Jesus, thanks for what you did and everything, but, but your life, your death, your resurrection are not enough to finish the work in me. And, and that's a problem. When we start diminishing the work of Christ by thinking that somehow we can add to that and that it's not a complete and finished work in and of itself, I'm just telling you the Father's not real excited about that. So they were turning their back. So in doing this, they would have essentially turned their back on Christ and gone back to a system that wasn't designed to do what they were wanting it to do in the first place. So the second part here is uh, we need to remember history. This is a second consideration. We've got to remember history. And that's where Paul takes them back to, the history. He reminds them of Abraham. So he says there, he says that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. And then he tells us this can be interpreted allegorically. By the way, that's not true of everything in Scripture. Not, every, not everything in Scripture can be interpreted allegor allegorically. But in this case, the Holy Spirit tells us this passage, not only did it really happen, but God actually had a double meaning intended here. Like, we go back to Galatians, we can read the story about Hagar and Abraham and Sarah and all the mess that happened there. It definitely, like, if this happened today, it would be on one of those awkward shows that come on in the middle of the day where they do DNA tests. And, like, it might have been one of those situations, like, really awkward middle-of-the-day television, you know. Um, this, this, this could have been a reality, but it's, it, you know, instead we, we just get to read it here. But... Um, it's probably good this didn't happen today. Actually, this probably does happen today. But anyway, we won't, we won't go into that. Uh, but, but realistically, what we are told here is this passage, it really happened, but it has a secondary interpretation that we need to understand. And Paul is bringing it out for us. People have been failing to perfectly follow the rules for a really long time. And Paul's reminding us of that. Because he says, let's remember our father Abraham. Uh, God's people have never been very good at all, you know, when we're talking about relying on personal righteousness. We've always found failure as a result, just like it did for those who came before us and like it continues to be for us. So here's the example we get from Abraham. Ishmael was the son that Abraham had by Hagar. He was Abraham's attempt to bring about God's promised word in his own might. Okay? Abraham was getting kind of old. Sarah wasn't getting pregnant. Sarah starts thinking, this isn't working out too well. I can't have kids. But God said that we would have this great nation. And we need to understand contextually the world that they lived in too. Uh, Abraham actually grew up under a set of laws 
that today we would call, you know, it was Hammurabi's code, right? That was the, that was the law of the land in those days. Uh, and, uh, and this was before God delivered his own, you know, version of, of the law, which, by the way, is really kind of cool, but God's law has a lot of similarities to the laws of those days, but with some certain things corrected in order to reflect his glory. In other words, people had a lot of things right, but they were missing on some things because they weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. So, uh, but in this case, they, you know, one of, the, one of the parts of this law was actually that it was okay for a man to bring about children through a woman's slave, particularly if she was barren. So that was actually considered okay in society. Today, we would consider that really messed up, but back then, it was cool. So, um, so they, they probably thought they were doing nothing wrong. Maybe, you know, I'm sure they started reasoning, well, why hasn't Sarah had a baby yet? You know, this time, Sarah was probably in her 70s or something like that, um, late 70s, and, and, and she's... Well, you know, we haven't had a kid yet. Hey, maybe, we were, maybe we're supposed to have a kid through my servant. Yeah, that's a way to do this. And so, you know, she says to Abraham, hey, why don't, you, why don't you go have a kid with my servant? And he goes and it happens and she gets pregnant and they have a kid. And I'm sure they thought to themselves, well, finally, the promise is being fulfilled. Until God shows up. And, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know if we have the conversation totally recorded in Scripture, but some of it's there. But in my mind, I just kind of have this, like, this, uh, this image of, of God showing up and, and, and saying, uh, hey, Abraham, Sarah's still going to have a baby, and that's going to be the, the one I'm going to bring the promise through. And uh, that might have been shocking, right? And Abraham was certainly shocked by the whole thing. He said, well, well, why not my son Ishmael? And God says, that wasn't my plan, Abraham. I told you Sarah was going to bear a child. I even, he even changed her name to be a name that basically means a princess. And Abraham didn't, he didn't wait for God. He just did it on his own power. And what happened is he brought about Ishmael. Now, think about how messed up things got because of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could talk about how things are still pretty messed up, but I'm just going to talk about back then. Um, look, just in the moment, it ended up with Hagar getting super prideful. Um, she, she was like, ha, look at me. I can get pregnant, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, oh man, the, the, just the, the, the punches that were happening and the pride and the arrogance. And, and, and then Sarah got jealous. And she gave in to jealousy. And, and Ishmael grew, ended up having to grow up without a present father because he was not the one the Lord had planned. And, and God wasn't going to have his plan messed up. So God ended up sending Hagar, Hagar and Ishmael out on their own. So now not only do we have a broken family, all kinds of messed up things happening in that family because of the, they didn't obey God, but now you have a fatherless son. I mean... Just all of these consequences, all of this brokenness because they didn't follow God. This is what happens when we try to take God's promises by our own strength and abilities. Now you may hear, okay, God said that I'm going to become this, this person who's going to look like Jesus. Awesome. Okay, so then you start, you, you start reaching deep within yourself and trying to make it happen but you're, you're, you're drawing from the wrong well. This happens all the time. 
And, and, and so what ends up happening is we're drawing from the well of our flesh to try to make something spiritual happening or happen, and, and we burn out because that well isn't deep enough to produce in us what needs to be produced. Now, the truth is we have a well that is deep enough, and it's the well that, was, that has been dug for us in Christ. Or we can think about this in financial terms, right? Uh, Jesus has a big enough bank account full of righteousness. It's big enough, right? We can draw from that anytime we want, we need to. It's big enough to cover everything for us. And yet we find ourselves going into our piddly little accounts that are in our flesh. We think that we're depositing into that and building something. And uh, it's never enough. And so again, we start striving in the flesh to try to produce something spiritual and we burn out because we just don't have enough in us. So let's think of the third consideration. We must consider that Jesus was fully human just as we are and yet he did it. Okay, Hang on just a sec. We've got to stop and, and we've got to consider this because this is important. Jesus was fully human just like we are. Do you understand that? I think sometimes we forget that he was human. Sometimes we just remember that he's divine. We forget the humanity of Jesus. But we are taught, hey, I'm going to teach you guys a really cool theology word today. You ready for it? It's the hypostatic union. Oh. This is so good. Um, no. Okay, but no, this, this, this whole concept of, of these, two these two natures colliding together in one person. Can Jesus be fully God and fully man all at the same time? Yes. And he was, and by the way, still is. That's the cool part. Like there's a human body in heaven right now. Because Christ descended in the flesh. The glorified flesh, but the flesh nonetheless. He is fully human. Now why did he come as a human? Why did he do that? I think part of the reason he came as a 100% fully human is to show us what a human can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we have a little problem on our hands, and that's that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. But death is no problem for God to overcome. We need to understand there is one and only one who has lived the extraordinary life that God is calling us to, and his name is Jesus. He lived the supernatural life that we talked about before, fully immersed in the Spirit, perfectly obedient to the Father in all things. He lived a perfect life by faith. Now, I know this is, we don't teach this enough in churches today. We, we don't hone in on the fact that Christ actually had to live by faith. But he was a human being. There's something, in, I, I, I can't explain what happened when Christ became flesh. We know that he didn't give up being God, but he did suspend certain, certain of his powers. Okay, we don't know exactly how that works. And it wasn't because he didn't have the power, but just that he is so strong that if he wants to put it aside, he can. Jesus was meek. What is meekness? It is power under control. 
He had the power to do whatever he wanted to do, but he put it on the shelf and he says, I'm going to live by the Spirit. I mean, that's, is that, that's cool. That's awesome that he would do that. He put his own power on the shelf and he said, I will walk by the Spirit. And then he said, I, I'm going to do nothing unless I see my Father doing it. Now that's power. Because who is Jesus? Well, we're told in Scripture that he is the one who created everything, right? That's what Colossians tells us. By him all things were made, and by him all things are held together. So somehow the one who holds the universe together, who made all things, put some of his power on the shelf and became fully reliant upon the Spirit, just like we are, to live a righteous life. Now, the, the, the cool thing about Jesus, of course, is he didn't have the nature of sin and death. So he was tempted in every way, just as we are, and the temptation was real. You guys understand, it's not temptation if there's no potential for him to fall. He could have made the wrong choice, but he never did. It's the only way this actually works. He always made the right choice. He always did the right thing. He lived perfectly in unity with the Spirit and perfectly in, obedient, in obedience to the Father. And he did it as a man. Now, why is that so significant? Well, it's significant because in living this way, in his flesh, but his flesh broken apart from sin and death because he didn't have that. He showed us that it's possible for somebody who's alive in the Spirit to, act to actually live by the Spirit. I feel like I need to say that again. Jesus showed us that it is possible for somebody who is alive in the Spirit to actually live by the Spirit. Did anybody else need to hear that today? <laughs> by his life and his death and his resurrection, can we, again, this is another thing we need to hear and internalize today. By his life, by his death, by his re resurrection, Jesus broke sin's curse over us so that we are now free to live by the Spirit just like he did. By faith, we can accomplish the life that God has called us to do, but not in our own strength. We must do it through Christ, and only through Christ can we do it. So our fourth consideration is that we, we must consider why Abraham failed on his own and how he received ultimate victory. This is, this is really critical for us because um, this is the part where we begin to wrap our brains around how this is possible for us to actually win in Jesus, okay? Again, Ishmael was Abraham's trying to bring about the promise in himself, uh, he, Abraham failed because he failed to believe that God would do what God said he would do, right? Abraham starts getting old. He's like 99. <laughs> you know, no, he wasn't that old when Ishmael was born, but, but he was like, he was probably in his 80s, you know? 
He's 10 years older than Sarah. We don't know for sure how much older Ishmael was than Isaac, but he was definitely older. And uh, so um, Abraham's probably in his 80s, and Sarah's like, uh, it's not happening. And, and Abraham says, let's make it happen. Like, to get, don't, don't, don't think that Abraham wasn't a part of this too. You know what I mean? It wasn't just Sarah like, here, have my slave. Um, but, but they didn't believe God, and so they tried to bring it about in their own way. And that is why Abraham failed when he tried to do it on his own. He just didn't believe that God would do what he said he would do. Now, look, I mean, most of us would probably fail in that moment, too, because if you think that the deck's getting pretty stacked against me at this point, you know, um, I haven't had any kids. I'm 80 years old. My wife's 70. You know, it's just getting a little crazy. And um, they cracked. They caved. Abraham didn't know that God was going to wait till he was 100, you know, like, he just like, God, you know, see, God loves to do this. He loves to wait until the deck is really stacked against the people of God, and then he brings a deliverance. Because he, he wants us to walk in faith. And sometimes faith means we wait till the last moment, and then it comes. That's why the word says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. If we're not willing to wait upon the Lord, we're not going to receive the grace that the Lord is ready to dispense to us in that moment where it seems hopeless and then the hero swoops in. And I think a lot of this was going on in Jesus' day. The people had lost hope that God was ever going to send the Messiah. And so they, they were just starting to make up, they were starting to complicate the religion. And no, no, we're going to be like Messiah. And, and there are a lot of Jews to this day who believe that essentially the people of Israel is Messiah. Like that there's not a physical Messiah coming, but, but the, peop, the, the people is the Messiah. And that was God's plan. And uh, that was wrong. But they start you know, thinking, well, we, we're just going to have to, bring about our own holiness and preserve our nation and our own power and might. And it wasn't going very well back then either. And then all of a sudden, here comes Christ in the midst of all that. God comes to save the day, right when hope was about to be completely squashed out. So again, Abraham failed because he tried to bring it about in his own flesh. Now, we may struggle with some of the same thing, right? We hear God's word. We hear, like Philippians 1, 6, where God, where Paul says that, hey, uh, he who began a good work in you is going to, he's going to finish it. He's going to bring you to completion. And then I look at my life and I think, man, I'm just far from being the person of God that I want to be. And sometimes our reaction is not to just find more space to rest in Jesus so he can work on us but we start to strive more we start to tell ourselves you got to try harder you should be better you should work more you should have a longer quiet time that might actually be the best advice but you know um, just just to be silent before the Lord but you know but but we start we start putting all these burdens on ourselves to to try and bring it about. I just want to be this person, so I'm going to, I'm going to grab myself, again, by my own bootstraps and pull myself up, 
or pull my, myself. Hopefully, I've only got one person. and Otherwise, you're schizophrenic, and you probably need to see a doctor. But pull myself up by my own bootstraps, and I'm going to do this. And then I hear the words of Jesus. And I love this. He says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, who are heavy laden, you're carrying your own saddlebags. You're not even, <laughs> you don't even have a horse. You, you're just carrying them. You know, all of you who are just burdened and you're weighed down by life and you're weighed down by your religion and you're just, you're just, you just feel heavy. And I love it. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, I'm, I'm simple and I'm lowly of heart. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I think of God, that's not how I think of God. Sometimes I think of God as like the great taskmaster in the sky. And I need Jesus to remind me that it is when I am at rest in him that the Father is able to bring out fruit from my life. That's why John, in, in the Gospel of John, he writes, Jesus says, You've got to abide in me. And it's only when you abide in me that you can bear fruit. Okay, so how did Abraham win? Well, Abraham won because in spite of himself, he actually believed God. He did believe God. When God showed up and said, no, Sarah is going to get pregnant. He believed God. And Paul writes in Romans that it was a credit to him as righteousness. But, and he also said that in Galatians and I think in Colossians too. But anyway, there, there's, a, um, there's a theme here. But it was when he submitted his heart to the Father in faith that then the Spirit came and did a miracle. And Sarah, at 90 years old, got pregnant. Now, I know that's a terrifying thought to a lot of the women in this room. Can you even imagine, like, uh, that, that is, uh, takes geriatric pre pregnancy to a whole new level. Um, they would be doing all kinds of tests on you in, in our day. But, but back then, they just had faith, and God brought about a miracle child, and the miracle child was the child of the promise. And Isaac was the one. And through Isaac came Jacob, who eventually became known as Israel. And through Israel came Judah, who was a wreck. But you know what? God worked through his life. And through Judah, eventually came Boaz, right? Who married Ruth, the Moabitess, who they, through them came Jesse, who through them came David, who also was a mess, but he had faith in God. And eventually, through David, came both Mary and Joseph, by the way, just so you know. Both of them were descendants of David. But ultimately, through Mary, the Lord put his child, his son, in her. So you see, through faith came Jesus the Messiah. 
And God blessed Ishmael too. He became a great nation, but, but the child of the promise was the one who came by faith, not the one who came through striving. So let's take a lesson from this because told here again, why, why is Paul constantly reminding us, brothers, you're children of the free woman, not children of the slave woman? Because he wants us to know that we are not children of striving, but children of faith. It's when we trust him and we rest in him that he can bring about something through us that is so much greater than what we could bring about if we tried to do it ourselves. And I want to declare to you today that God will accomplish in you everything he said he would accomplish in you. But he's going to do it by faith. He's going to do it by faith. He's not going to do it and by the way, it's, it's, it's in particular faith in his faithfulness. We're going to believe that he's going to bring us through. It's not going to be you grabbing a hold of God's promise and saying, that's great, God, now let me go do it. What it's going to be is you saying, God, I believe you, and I can't do this on my own, but I'm going to trust in you. Okay, just a couple of thoughts as we close out this morning. One, Hagar was fertile, but Sarah was barren. So we are like Sarah in this way when we talk about the flesh. She had no power inside of herself to bring about what God had promised. She could absolutely not do it. She could not make herself become pregnant. Neither can we make ourselves become righteous. We, as she was physically barren, humans, we are spiritually barren. And we can strive all we want in the law and in trying, but winning can only happen by God's grace. We do not have the miracle to become what God has said we are going to become inside of us. We can't become like Christ on our own strength. But by the cross and by the empty tomb, Christ, Christ has purchased for us freedom from the law so that we might now live as miracle children adopted into God's family. Is that impactful to your heart this morning? I don't know about you all. This is incredibly impactful to me. And uh, just speaking from my own personal story, I have to constantly come back to this. I have to constantly come back to his word and to his story and to his truth because it's like the old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But I love the last line of that verse, but here's my heart. Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Our posture towards God has to be one of open-handedness with our own hearts if he's going to come in and remake us in his image.